Well, just to add to that prayer, Lord, it's just about you. As the worship is just about you, so this talk is not about me. So we look forward to hearing from from God this morning. I don't know how many of you were here last week. Any indication? Oh, there were some. Well, Tony was here. That was good because you were speaking. But um, we talked about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And um, we were uh, just reminded of the central truth about our Christian faith. And so often we don't cover the central bits. We just do all the detail. And it was so good to to go through that again last week. And if you weren't here last week, it is a podcast. It is available. Please listen to it because it's really encouraging. Um, but having learnt about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, this week we're just going to carry on with that chapter. The last few verses of Philippians, we're going through uh, Philippians chapter 1, we're going through the book. And as you see, this, it's living a life worthy of the gospel. The gospel is so good news, such good news. Are our lives reflecting that? And um, so we're going to just go and jump straight in. No, you're not. That's the song. We won't sing that one. We'll go the other way. That's it. Philippians 1. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you remember also last week we were saying that Paul, when he was writing this letter to the Philippians, was imprisoned. He was having to look after himself. He was having to provide for himself but he was in prison he'd lost his freedom and he wasn't sat there waiting to complete his sentence because he hadn't actually been sentenced at that point he was still awaiting trial and the trial was going to go two ways he's going to be found innocent and then he was going to walk or he's going to be found guilty and he was going to be executed so he's there writing these letters of encouragement to other churches knowing that he could live or he could die if you're in that situation if we ever find ourselves in that situation where we don't know whether we're going to live or die in the near future we're probably not writing letters of encouragement we're hoping to receive them and we're probably not even thinking straight but in that mindset of Paul not knowing whether he's going to live or die He penned those words, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, I win. It's a win-win situation. If I'm going to live, I'm going to proclaim Christ, Christ, which is my calling, which is what I've been doing ever since Jesus appeared to me on the road to Damascus. And if I die, I get to be with Jesus. So I've got nothing to lose. It's a win-win. It's a great attitude to have. It's a great attitude to have. And I think we can all... I wish we could all share that same perspective. I wish I could share that same perspective on life, that whatever happens, I'm a winner. I, don't, I, don't, I was thinking about it this morning. It hadn't occurred to me before, but 
Sadly, I like adverts on the TV. I sometimes prefer the adverts to the actual programmes. And there's um, there's an advert for um, Hotels.com where you book you can book rooms. And basically, the advert is that this woman has just won a free reward night, and therefore she's a winner. And then in the background you see, and she walks into a glass door, and sort of bangs her face. She says, "I'm still winning." And then she falls down a falls down a manhole cover. And she comes, I'm still winning. And you get this sense with, Christ, with, with Paul that whatever's happening in his life, whatever persecution he's going through, he says, well, I'm still winning. I'm still winning. And we, we sang, didn't we, about suffering in, in one of the songs. And, and that Paul talks a lot about suffering. But that doesn't mean to say we're losing. We're still winning. And... Um, he goes on to say then, Paul goes on to say, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and join the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So, um, Paul really was in two minds, you know. Not that he was saying he had a choice, but like I said, it could go either way for him. And he was going to be happy. He kind of was preferring the second option. I don't think he particularly relished the living at the minute because it was difficult it was tough and he, and he did suffer not only from his imprisonment but also suffering from I'm sure ailments and, and injuries so life wasn't brilliant for Paul but he prepared to go on with it and he knew there would be more suffering to come you know that a lot of the early Christians in that period were facing persecution the church in Philippi were facing persecution and Paul consistently teaches through all his letters that you should expect to suffer and that's been the, the experience of Christians ever since hasn't it we all the church has been persecuted for many years and even in our own country where the church per se is not persecuted we do suffer we suffer and sometimes it's just a reminder that sometimes when you're suffering well all the times when you're suffering that doesn't mean to say you're not in the will of God usually means to say you are in the will of God because he's taking you down a path so Paul is warning against saying about suffering but then he says to die would take me would be great because I will be in God's presence I will be reacquainted with Jesus whom I first met on that road to Damascus and I was thinking there's this, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to suffer? Wouldn't it be great that as soon as you became a Christian, you just get transported straight up to heaven, that's it, job done. But it wouldn't be great though really, because actually, how many of us would be Christians if there were no other Christians in the world to testify? If there's no other way for us to know about Jesus? So we are here for a purpose. So he then goes on to say, 
Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God, and that by God, sorry, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. That, that, that first two words, whatever happens, this is Paul saying, again, you're going to suffer persecution. But whatever happens, whatever comes your way, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. This worthy of the gospel. What is the gospel worth? What is the value of the gospel? We value things in two ways, don't we? We either value it by the cost, what it costs us, or we value it by what it means to us. If something has sentimental value, doesn't you know, it's priceless. And you often hear the story that if you know, people are asked if they only had five minutes to get out of their burning house, what would they save? And invariably, it's usually the photos or the, or the personal things rather than the things they spent money on. And the gospel has a value in both those senses. There was a great cost involved. It wasn't to us. There was a great cost to God who gave up his, his only son. There was a great cost to Jesus who suffered on the cross for us. So there's a great value to the gospel. But also, even though it didn't cost us anything, in that sense, there's a great value in the gospel to us. Because we are, once we're lost and now we're found, as we sang, our future is assured. And just by listening to last week, should have just reminded us how great the gospel is and the impact it's had on our lives. Just to be reminded, just to fully comprehend what it cost. So if the gospel has a value, if it has a worth, we've got to live worthy of it. We can't just ignore it. We can't just think, right, that's done. There's no consequences. It has to make a difference. And we have to live worthy of the gospel. And um, it it might help, but uh, I'm reading from the NIV, but I tend to do a lot of my study in the New Living Translation. I just happen to like it. And it changes that first uh, verse slightly. So at the minute it says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, I'm not a Greek scholar, um, but I do like to read sometimes about the meaning of the Greek words, and I I can't pronounce the words or anything like that. And... um, and the word conduct, the verb conduct in Greek, I, well, no, I think it's taken from the word polis, but I'm getting on dodgy ground here, so don't, don't quote me. But it's taken from the word city, and it refers really to a citizen. And I'll check this with Tony, by the way, and he does agree, so we're right. 
having Greek, uh, if you don't know Tony is a Greek scholar um, and so the, the New Living Translation uses a slightly different phrase of that, that first verse it says above all you must live as citizens of heaven conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ and Paul used that term because the Philippians understood what it was to have citizenship because uh, Philippi was a colony of Rome it was a little Rome Rome when in, in its all its power had to set up these colonies all around just to defend its borders and they would set up these cities, these little colonies and they would invariably send retired Roman soldiers people already elite, you know, had allegiance to Rome to go and, and set up these colonies and, and to promote these colonies and if you lived in one of these colonies like you lived in Philippi you had all the benefits of being a Roman citizen you could call yourself a Roman citizen. You had the rights and the privileges. And they took great pride in this. They took great pride. I mean, they were living in Greece, but they were calling themselves Roman citizens. And they spoke the language. They spoke the Latin language as well as Greek. They wore Roman clothes with great pride. They lived the Roman lifestyle. As I say, Roman citizenship came with great privileges and esteem. And Paul himself, didn't he? He used the fact that he was a citizen of Rome, even though he was born in Tarshish, which is Tarsus, sorry, which is uh, more Turkey-based. Turkey-based. <laughs> that wasn't something I was planning to say. Um, more based in Turkey. Um, so we, but he said he, he managed to save himself from a flogging in Acts 22 because he's a citizen of Rome. So citizenship had a real big meaning in Philippi. And Paul was saying, you must live as citizens of heaven. That your heavenly citizenship is far greater than your Roman citizenship. And it comes with greater privileges. And in the same way we need to live as citizens of heaven and take great honour and pride in that citizenship because it was purchased at a great price so we need to live in a way worthy of the gospel we have to live as citizens of heaven there's a a worship song that I'm very fond of that I've last couple couple of years ago and still playing it endlessly in my car and I like to sing along to it great gusto in the car when nobody else is listening and um, I don't know if you know it's called As It Is in Heaven uh, Hill Songs I think um, so whether now or then death is not my end I know heaven waits for me and just um, particularly m- meaningful to me when my dad was very ill before he passed you know death is not the end And we knew heaven was waiting for him. So it says, Whether now or then, death is not my end. I know heaven waits for me. Though the road seems long, I'll never walk alone. And I got all I need to sing. I know you love me. 
I know you found me. I know you saved me. And your grace will never fail me. And this is a bit. And while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting because I know heaven lives in me. And it's that such a powerful truth you know we were saying I just said I was just joking about wouldn't it be great if when you become Christians you go straight up to heaven don't work that way heaven comes straight down to you and you are suddenly a citizen of heaven living on earth and you know with citizenship comes loyalty doesn't it if you are a citizen of France but you're living in the UK you have to obey the UK laws but your allegiance and your loyalties tend to be with France and if last year you were a citizen of France living in England and watching the World Cup you would have been supporting France and you would have had a good, good World Cup wouldn't you really we had somebody staying with us throughout the World Cup last year who's half Scottish, half German. He didn't have a good World Cup at all. <laughs> but, and we did kind of tease him about it, but he, and the reason he's half Scottish and half German, by the way, is naturally he's got a mother who's Scottish and a father who's German. He is, he is those, that sort of citizenship because of his parents. But our heavenly citizenship comes from being a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's where our citizenship comes from. But citizenship... Oh, I'm struggling with my words. I'm going to have a drink of water a minute. Citizenship doesn't just come through birth. You can choose to apply for citizenship in another country and I know a lot of British are at the minute trying to apply for European citizenship because they're uncertain but when you become a citizen of another country by choice you do have to make changes you have to make changes you make changes to your loyalties and as Christians when we become citizens of heaven our loyalties change Colossians 3, by the way, is, is one of my favourite passages and a lot of what I'm saying today is also repeated in Colossians. And Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, in other words, become citizens of heaven, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Our loyalties change when we become citizens of heaven. Our loyalties become loyalties to God, loyalties to the things of heaven. And our lifestyle and our priorities change. So, yeah, our lifestyles change. We do things differently, don't we? We need to conform to a new way. In Colossians, again, in, in chapter 3, it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Being a citizen of heaven is knowing God and becoming more like him. It's not an instant thing. It happens gradually. We grow and we grow. And you think you're getting, things are going really well, but you've still got so much to learn. It's a process. 
Let's do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's that attitude, it's the renewing of the mind, the change of attitude that makes all the difference. And when you become a citizen of another country, you've got to learn the language. And it's very true. In a, being a citizen of heaven, we've got to change our language. Our language has got to be one of love, one of patience, one of tolerance, one of truthfulness. Our language has got to build people up, not take them down. Our language has got to bless people. Our language has got to be clean. And if you're like that, people will notice. Suddenly you will appear different. You're using the same words as everyone else, but just put them in a different order and actually keeping some words away. It's kind of a bit like, you know, if you've got a good Bristolian accent and you're somewhere else in the country, people will know you're Bristolian just by, by your accent, by the way you speak. And as Christians, as citizens of heaven, our language needs to reflect our citizenship. It's very, we're quite good at speaking good things about one another. But sometimes it's difficult when, you, when, when there's strangers involved, whether it's road rage or... These, I mean, my, I have to say my personal weakness is people phoning up wanting, you know, sell me something. I really struggle with it. But our language has to reflect our citizenship. We also have to dress differently. So we have to wear a suit and tie. <laughs> no, we have to dress differently. Doesn't it? it says, you know, like, like the, uh, the, the Philippians and, and others in colonies, they dressed like Romans and they walked around very proud because they had this Roman dress on. Roman, and that, that, that was very much their identity. And our identity needs to change. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Clothe yourselves with love. And this is a lovely verse we don't really use in, in 1 Peter. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, rather the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. It's all about that transforming of the mind. And as our mind and attitudes are transformed, so that's reflected in our lifestyle. It's reflected in our language. There's, there's a, there could be, we could say a lot about how to live a life worthy of the gospel. But there's more to come in Philippians. I don't want to tread on anyone's toes. And again, this attitude thing is, is coming up quite shortly in chapter 2 of Philippians. But I just did want to very quickly point out three things from our passage. You see, as we live a different life, as we live as citizens of heaven, various things happen and we improve let me just go back this is our passage so if you conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ then I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you 
So Paul's saying, if you do, if you live in a manner worthy of the gospel, then these things are going to happen, and I know they're going to happen. You're going to stand firm. We may feel a bit on dodgy ground, but actually we will stand firm. That that stand firm is that is a military title in uh, phraseology, isn't it? That the enemy's attacking, and you're outnumbered but you're defending your gates and you stand firm. And as you live a life worthy of the gospel, you learn to put on the armour of God. You learn to stand firm. We're under attack, aren't we? Even in the UK. In the classroom, in the lecture theatre, in the workplace. Through the press, social media, there's constant attacks. But we need to stand firm. We need to strive to live as citizens of heaven. We don't need to compromise. We need we need to be prepared to face persecution. But we will stand firm if our hearts and minds are transformed. But this is the the the, the one that I really want to encourage us on. Because the other thing is do we strive together as one. Living as a citizen as heaven on my own is tough. If you go to certain parts of France and certain parts of Spain, we were there last year, there is a huge ex- expat community of Brits and we were we were staying in one of them or, or near one of them last year and we, we go into the town um, and we hadn't realised it was an expat community and nobody's speaking French. Everyone speaks English. You go into all the cafes and shops and everyone's speaking English. And it's quite funny, really. It's just like a little community in there. But we as Christians, it's important to meet together as church. We as citizens of heaven need to, to support one another and to be there for one another and help us through the difficult, each other through the difficult times. You know, the enemy's plan is always to divide and conquer. And there is always a great threat that in a church that anger or jealousy can tear us apart. Unforgiveness, boasting, all these things can get into a church. You need to stand firm and you need to strive together. Just even later on in, the, in, in Philippians, Paul, Paul mentions the fact that there are two women who are clearly in conflict with another, another. And he says it has to stop because... We need to strive together. Colossians 3. I'm going back to Colossians 3. Sorry. But clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Above, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds all of us together in perfect harmony. And then finally... If you live, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, there's no need to be frightened. Apprehensive, yes. A little bit scared, yes, but frightened, not. We can be confident in every situation we face. If our eyes are heavenward, if we're looking above and not down below, if our eyes are set, if we look ahead and not down below, then we have confidence. We often, um, 
you you hear in some churches, especially in Steve's not here, especially in America, <laughs> where they preach a prosperity gospel, where they preach that you'll be wealthy and healthy as long as you do everything right. We don't preach that. I don't I don't believe that. It's not something I see anywhere in the Bible. What I do see is whatever you go through, God is there. And you know there's no need to be frightened. There's no need to be frightened. So we're going to just draw to a close. There's a, I don't know if you've seen a T-shirt that some people wear um, that says, Football is life. The rest is mere detail. Have you seen that one? I, I think they actually, whatever sport you follow, they'll, they'll just put that up. But it's a very good saying. Football is life. The rest is mere detail, except they got the football bit wrong. Christ is life. The rest is mere detail. And this is what Paul was saying, for me to live is Christ. My sole focus, my priority, everything else is detail. I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. And coming in, I, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I just had this, this phrase come into my life, to my mind just as we were driving in this morning. I'm a citizen of heaven. Therefore, live it like you own it. You know, it's that is that is your focus. It's there. For me to live is Christ. And if I'm not here next week, I've won. <laughs> Bless you. I just uh, encourage you just to keep reading ahead of what we're studying in Philippines. We'll be going into Philippians 2 next week. Just read ahead. Just so that we can just really study this word together, this book together. It's such a great book. I meant to bring it with me, but I've... A long time ago, I felt Philippines... Philippines always been a, a favourite book of mine. And I printed out the book of Philippians without any chapter headings, without any verses, without any subheadings. So you just read it as a letter because that's how Paul wrote it. It was a letter to a church. It was one thing. And it surprises how different it does make a difference because you're not subjected to the chapter changes or the, or the paragraph heading. So I'll try and bring some of those as well. But thank you for listening. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we want to live as citizens of heaven. Yet sometimes we get so caught up with everything else that's going on. Lord, help us to turn our eyes upward. Help us to fix our eyes on heaven. Lord, help us to understand the real privilege it is to be a citizen of heaven. But also help us to understand the responsibility that we have to help us to live our lives this week more worthy of the gospel. Help us to encourage one another to do the same. Lord, help us not to judge one another when we get go wrong, but just to support one another. Father, we just pray for your help this week in all the circumstances we, f- we face. We're all going through difficult times of varying degrees, but Father, we look to you for your strength. We look to you for encouragement. We look to you for answers. We look to you for guidance. And we want to serve you. We want to be worthy citizens of heaven. 
we want to say for me to live is Christ. In his name, amen.